Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. So I'm delighted to welcome uh, to the studio today, special day, uh, Nolik Naman, uh, somebody who thrilled us during the summer, uh, took uh, incredible penalties and saved incredible penalties for Ireland at the Hockey World Cup and that is the Irish hockey goalkeeper Aisha McFerrin. Welcome to Off the Ball. Thanks a million for having me in. It's a delight to have you here um, and it's just been an amazing few months for you. Uh, and the first thing I wondered Aisha was um, because it was such a, a big occasion for the Irish hockey team did the World Cup change your life in any way? For me personally not Everyone keeps telling me it's going to change your life at some point, but it hasn't hit me quite yet just because I kind of cleared off straight away after it. But I I know you hear some of the stories from the girls uh, just getting stopped in the street and people just chatting away to them, telling them how fantastic they did. Um, the people have become more recognisable in the public and that's definitely something that even being home this past week has kind of hit me and people are kind of stopping me and chatting away and I'm like, I have no idea who you are. Are they? <laughs> yeah. So you are getting recognised in the street? Yeah, a little bit. I was heading down to the gym and kind of get stopped and a guy shouts out his car window at me and I'm like, I have no idea what you're shouting at. But yeah, but, no. But it looked positive. It looked friendly. <laughs> I, I think it did. I kind of had to take the headphones out and pretend. I was like, what would you say there? But no, nah, it uh, it's, been, it's been fun being home. But well, te- well, we'll talk about that now because you said you cleared out a little bit and uh, you should probably tell the listeners that you, your experience was a little bit different after the World Cup from most of the players because you were in college in America and how soon did you go back after the World Cup? Yeah, so we flew into Dublin, had the big reception in Dame Street on the bank holiday Monday and four, four or five days later I headed back to America and straight into my pre-season so quick enough turnaround for me getting out and experience it and then heading off again. So you really did miss a lot of the of the post post celebrations if you like. Uh, tell us, uh, we'll come back to it, but tell us where you're based in America and what are you doing there? Um, so I'm based in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, it's class is the deep south but not quite there. Um, and I'm over there on a field hockey scholarship so studying and playing a bit of hockey at the same time. And how many years have you been there? Uh, so I've done four years now. Uh, Coming up to my last semester, getting it done, got the piece of paper to say I've done it and <laughs> get in and get out. Literally. Right. So you're home. You're home, obviously, for Christmas. You're home for the New Year, and then you're going to be heading off on a training camp with Ireland in in a, in a couple of days' time. But so we'll talk. We'll come back to your college in America because I'm really interested in mm-hmm. that. Um, first of all, I suppose everybody saw you. You know, you you saved seven out of ten penalties in the Hockey World Cup, in the quarterfinals and semi-finals, in penalty shootouts and sudden death. Um, and so, you know, you looked invincible almost. You know, that's a big percentage. But I mean, how did you come to hockey and how did you come to sport? Um, so whenever I was younger, I was definitely that kid who volunteered to do absolutely everything under the sun. Um, and it kind of started. So I played football so soccer um that was kind of the first sport I did as well as Irish dancing so my granddad used to sing in these shows and I would watch back videos of them and I would see all these girls up on stage with the wigs and the dresses and I would try and I would stand in the living room and try and copy what they would do and obviously I was very springy as a kid so my granddad and my mum were like right that's a good energy burst so we'll send her off there and did that for a few years and then from there just kind of picked up near enough did every sport under the sun like that was offered in my area and you're from where and tell us about where you're from so I'm from Lorne um it's best known to Lorne folk as the best or the boat out 
there's not much happens there. There's a ferry, ferry goes over to Scotland to Stranraer from Lyne. Yeah, yeah, so that's how most people come to Lorne is they come down the Jill Carriageway and head straight to the harbour for the boat. <laughs> um, but honestly, it's it's quite a quiet wee town. Everyone kind of knows everybody. Um, and yeah, like I love going home uh, just to see everyone because you just walk down the street and you're chatting to every man, dog and child. So literally know. everybody will know you. And the Irish dancing you took quite seriously. I mean, you were quite, you did it competitively, as we say. You go, you entered the fest, you went to the competitions, did you? For how long? Um, so I did it for nine years. There was kind of a break in the middle to take up other sports, but I would like to say I was pretty good. I would consider myself pretty good. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've got a few medals and trophies in the house from it and really enjoyed it. Took it really competitively and it was definitely like the first kind of sport that I really, truly loved and really enjoyed doing for sure. And you played football to a fairly decent standard as well, didn't you? Yeah, so I played on the county stuff at home and then had Northern Ireland trials, but then hockey kind of got in the way of that. In the way of that, so and what and why did hockey become your first sport and who influenced you that way? Um, so I first started playing. I think whenever I was nine or ten, it was just the local hockey club on a Saturday morning. Like everyone kind of would, you go down. And just kind of you pick up a stick and play. And I think from there, it's just kind of grown and developed. It was definitely a cha- like challenging at the start just with the concept of you have to hold a stick and yep. then running. and You have to hold a certain way yeah. as well. Some people find it hard. So it was definitely interesting trying to understand the rules of it and and get, get a full grasp of what it actually was. Um, but I think once I kind of did that, heading into secondary, sco- secondary, sco- uh, the secondary, secondary school, school <laughs> um, I definitely kind of really started to enjoy it more and more because I, I just knew more about the sport and I kind of just got stuck in. I was like, yeah, why not? And goalkeeping is such a particular, particular skill and particularly in hockey, it's mm. become a particular skill. So when did you end up in goals and why did you end up in goals? Because you obviously started and you played football outfield, I think, as well, didn't you? Yeah, so played football and field hockey, on, both on field. And then, so I was in secondary, sco- secondary school. Oh, wow, I'm really struggling. To <laughs> um, my teacher came into the lock or the change room and said something. But like me being me, I didn't hear what she said. So I was like, pick me, I want to do it, obviously. I'll be the volunteer and it was to do goals and I had no idea what it was for so she's like right come with me you have to get your gear and I'm like what gear am I getting like I've got my stick I've got my shin guards I'm ready to go and she's like oh you'll be perfect for this because you play football and it was to do goals so then went down put on my first set of pads and kind of the rest was history I'm still here and and was it not daunting is it not a daunting position not really because I'm kind of crazy enough to just stand and take it because half the time I'll try and kick the ball back at, straight back at you as hard as I can um, so it's definitely kind of crazy that way but no I don't find it daunting at all I'm just kind of you know what the ball's coming at me it's not going in the goal I'm that competitive with it Do you have to have I mean they do say that there's always that cliche <laughs> about goalies being a bit mad do you have to be um, I think you said to me before once you, you were very aggressive as a player outfield anyway do you, do you need that in goals? Yeah for sure like if people are standing walking the ball at you especially at international level very quick and it's like it's a hard ball so like you have to be a little bit crazy but like we're the only ones in the pitch with full padding so technically like we're actually the sensible ones because (laughs) we are covered head to toe in gear even though the field players still manage to find those spots on us which aren't protected and hit there instead of the pads but have you you, have you ever had a bad injury did you play in a tournament with a broken foot one time yeah so in south africa it wasn't diagnosed at the time but uh so i was having a lot of issues with my foot and i get back to america still in a lot of pain and it was maybe flying back for europeans but then so they sent me for an mri and turned out i had a stress fracture in one of the bones of my foot so and it's like it's one of those injuries where 
it doesn't just happen it builds up over time yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah it must have like started before the qualifiers and just kind of played through it was like so you must have a pain threshold and have you ever been badly injured uh, in golf not from, from playing hockey I've got injured from other sports right. I've carried it across yeah. but uh, no touch wood I've never been injured kind of seriously from playing hockey because people who, are, who don't play hockey mightn't, mightn't understand how hard the ball is and how fast it travels how does how fast does it travel very fast that's all I can tell you I don't know numbers it's as hard as a cricket ball is it harder it's heavier I, w- I would say it's a little harder than a cricket ball yeah. it's like a very hard plastic and like you see some people break it the odd time but like I'm I've never never had one break of me in training or anything and Good. whenever you get hit you really do feel it yeah you <laughs> you feel really you're, gonna, you're gonna be marked afterwards yeah. um how did you progress to the Irish team and is it true that you actually celebrated your 18th birthday when you were with the Irish team yeah, so I kind of, when was I? I was in school and was doing my, doing my A-levels and stuff and then got invited down for a training session by the old coach, Darren Smith. Um, so he invited me down um, just what I thought was just, hello, like, come have a session with the yeah. goalies. Um, Let's see what you like. <laughs> yeah, so was down training at that and then I think a few of the other goalkeepers had either dropped out or, or whatnot, had other things going on. So then he invited me to a training camp in Spain um, so yeah, the day after my 18th birthday, I got my first international cap, which was very terrifying. I bet. Yeah, it was like second half. I came on for Emma Gray, who I'd obviously looked up to for years. I, like I still, she's a fantastic person and a great goalkeeper. And to come on second half, I was like, am I really replacing her? But no, it was looking back at it now. I was like, what was I ever thinking? Like I was literally just went on and kind of stood there. <laughs> I think a traffic cone would have been better, but <laughs> no, it was great getting on. So a it bit was, of a baptism of fire then. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely happened for sure anyway and we saw such huge success with the Irish team um, this summer just phenomenal you know overdid everybody's expectations if you like you were ranked second last you made the final in the World Cup Um, you know every time we see hockey players now they're smiling and just on a high but have you have you had any setbacks in your career or any tough times in it Um, not really like I've been very fortunate that I've kind of been able to just kind of progress through the under like the underages and then into twenty ones and into the the national setup. So, like I've never really had anything in my hockey career that's kind of put me back or whatnot. Like of course, whenever you come into a national squad, you're going to have to work your way up, and I feel I've done that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've been very lucky that I've kind of had an easy route um, to yeah. kind of get to where I am. And you, uh, you, you're still only twenty two, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So you're still a long way to go. Um, so, uh, would you would have been involved with that shootout? Were you involved with that shootout that Ireland lost to go to the Rio Olympics, for example? Did you play that? That. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what I was initially brought into the squad for was my quickness and agility in the shootouts and. Yeah, uh, Nidge was kind of the goalie coach. Was kind of like, it's going to come down to you. Like you need to be ready. And I was like, ah, yeah, sure. Like I'm sure it will. Like I, like I had so much belief in the girls. But this was in 2015. Yeah, so this is the qualifiers for Rio, and then so we had the quarterfinal against China and goes to shootout. So obviously I'm getting myself ready at the sideline as time's rolling down. And yeah, unfortunately, uh, we just it just didn't happen that day. And but it was definitely a massive learning curve for me because. I think uh, I kind of went into it hoping for the best, not really expecting too much of myself. But then I kind of definitely learned that, learned from that because the Chinese scouted me quite well, which fair play to them um, for being such a young keeper and kind of new into that. Right. They had uh, done their homework on you. Yeah, yeah, somehow. Even though you were still very young. Somehow. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, it was it was very close one that we just missed out on. Yeah. And, it, and that... And that- 
penalty shootout that haunted some of those Irish players I, I heard people you went back to Valencia the following year and I was told by somebody that some of the players were actually shaking going back out to play on that pitch in I think was a you were on the training camp or something and that people were physically traumatised by that shootout yeah I think it, just because it's such a big event like people put their lives on hold to kind of to go and qualify for an Olympic Games like every athlete does it no matter what the sport was and I think for us we threw the kitchen sink at it um, mm. especially that China game because we knew like this was this was one of the shots to get to Rio and to kind of throw everything at it and just miss out so you're, you get so close and you're just kind of you have that obviously that lasting memory that's going to be yeah. there for a while until kind of the next big thing comes it's, yeah. it is difficult kind of to put past you but I think a lot of us kind of grew from that yeah may have may have helped you this summer yeah because it was the width of a post that one of one of the Irish shots came back off the post that day so that was all that was between you and getting to Rio so your your sporting career seems to have been very successful so far is that fair to say yeah, I think so. I've had it. I've been obviously very gifted from having good genes from the parents that I'm naturally sporty and can kind of pick up most things if I give it give it a good go. Like the Irish dance and the athletics as well. Like I took it all very competitive competitively and with just being so into into sports, I wanted to succeed at everything I do. And yeah. so you just kind of throw everything you have at it and give it a go. And so um, I, I, I was talking to you earlier this year and uh, you said something in passing that caught my ear. Um, and you said to me you were in the care system in Northern Ireland, which uh, I only discovered. Uh, and, that, and so tell us a little bit about how that happened. You lost your mum at a very, a very tricky time in any child's life. Yeah, so whenever I was um, nine, my mum was first diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and you were then, nine. Yeah, so unfortunately, um, that kind of she got rid of it. So she fought through it the first time, came back, fought through it the second time, then the third time it was just too much to handle. Um, so then, whenever I was fifteen, she uh, passed away from it um, after giving it a good battle. And then, so from there, I ended up going into the care system. So I lived with my aunt, my aunt and uncle for nine months, and then was in care for three years. So a family in my local area kind of fostered me, took me in, and really kind of brought me up and helped me establish as a as a young woman and really get me going into the world. And tell me about your mum. Oh gosh, so my mum... She's responsible for your beautiful name anyway, first of all. Yeah. She gave you all unusual names. Yeah, she kind of picked it out of the baby book and I don't know how. But uh, <laughs> no, mum, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, just so many words to say about her. She's just such a support for the me and my siblings she kind of gave everything she had for us even right up until she p- kind of passed away um i think the four the four siblings were all very different but it all comes from her because she was so into her sports and her business and cooking and so she has so much kind of different areas behind her that we kind of all took a grasp of and being a single mom and raising four crazy kids while you're having that battle with cancer it's it's definitely a tricky one but she stood up and she she did the best that she could with us and I think the four of us are very thankful for the the short years that we had with her and kind of they definitely set us up for life. And did all four of you go to foster homes eventually, or what happened? Um, so me and my two brothers went to foster homes, but because my sister was 18, she was classed as an adult, so they kind of were like, sorry, we can't help you, which is very unfortunate because yeah. she's still, at 18, you're still a child. You oh, don't absolutely. even know where to tie your laces. So yeah. Um, so yeah, me and the two brothers went into foster care. Um, and how did how did Tamara, your eldest sister, how did she, how did she cope? Um, I think... Obviously, it's very difficult. No matter what age you are, losing a parent is going to be it's going to be very very difficult. But uh, she like she took like an absolute tripper. She went she got herself through university herself, 
um, went has now got herself her own house, got a job. So she she's been kind of the inspiration to the three of us, I think, because she didn't have that support system there. Yeah. Um, like she had her friends and she had the three of us, but she kind of went out and proved that to herself, I think most that she could do this and wow. she kind of set herself up to yeah, achieve yeah. success. And you were, you would have been, am I right in thinking, you probably would have been about what we call junior search. You would have been doing your GCSEs where you, was it, a, it was a, 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 that time in your life where you had exams on top of everything else? Yeah. So it would have been what my GCSE year, um, which obviously it's not ideal. You have a few exams to sit and everyone says they're so important, which they are. Um, so somehow I managed to get myself through those and get get onto my A levels and stuck at it and stuck with school because I used kind of used that as my outlet to get away from all the drama everywhere else. I was like I like I actually ended up enjoy going to school, which is weird for a kid to say. Yeah. Um. No, I love going to school. I had really good relationships with a lot of my teacher my teachers and a lot of them really supported me. With, Where was the school? Uh, Long Grammar. Right. So they were a huge support to you yeah. at that time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they really helped me kind of get through and anything I needed, they kind of were there for me. And especially with obviously the passing of mom and kind of the craziness of my life and trying to play hockey and do my do my school as well. It was kind of a big balancing act, but they they really did stand by me and help me through it all for sure. And do you have a relationship with your father now, or is any of the family in contact with your dad? Um, yeah, so a lot of us would speak to him now. Um, it's definitely a grown relationship. No family's perfect. Everyone yeah, has their own issues. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but, but your yeah. parents had separated, obviously, when you were a lot younger. Yeah, um, whenever I was younger, they separated and yeah. kind of yeah. things happened. But now we're kind of working to get that back back on track. Right. But it's definitely a stepping, uh, stepping stone at a time. And the family who fostered you, tell me about them, because that's such a lovely thing for people to do in life. Did they have children themselves, and how did they support you? Yeah, so they had two kids of their own, um, and it was kind of fortunate that one one of their younger, the youngest daughter was friends with my sister, um, so ah. she kind of knew and understood a lot of what went on with the family. Um, so then they got stuck with me. I would say they're very lucky. I would say they're very lucky <laughs> as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that well, initially didn't re- they didn't really understand the kind of extent of my hockey. Yeah, your um, sport because that's a huge thing you're bringing into the family. Yeah, exactly. They just assumed it was school hockey on a Saturday morning, maybe a few days after school, and that was it. But then when you actually tell them, it's like no, I, like at that point I was playing for Ireland underage, so it was under 16s and then under 18s <sighs> and all the traveling and the training. They were just kind of a bit shocked by it all, but they really did get behind me wow. a bit, like once he kind of understood that this is something that I personally needed to kind of do yeah. to get me through. So, and they really backed me and helped me as much as they possibly could. And um, you, in that situation as well, did you have club players around you? What was your club in the North and did other people help you? Because obviously you needed, you had a whole structure in your life to go to club training, into provincial training, international training. You needed help. Yeah, so I was like, I was pretty lucky that I came from an area where I would say we're naturally good hockey players. Um, so one of my teachers from school, uh, Emma Knox, she asked, like, eventually asked me if I wanted to go and play at Randallstown because they needed a goalkeeper because um, theirs was leaving. So she's like, yep, come play at Randallstown. Like, I can take you to train into games. So it worked out quite well that way. And then uh, another girl, Ruth McGuire, who's now just into the senior squad, which is great to see. She, like me and her, played underage together, like the whole way through from Ulster under 16 up until the Ireland stuff as well. So again, like her and her family really helped me in getting... Um, getting to trainings, getting to matches and things like that. So those two especially really helped me out and yeah. I probably wouldn't be here without them. And did you, when you lost your mum at that age, was was sport a way for, for you to cope with that loss? 
Yeah, I think so because you always have that little bit of anger of like, why me? Why my family? Why my mum? And you're kind of like, what have we done horrendously wrong that this that this has to happen to mum? And I would always kind of not use it to get my aggression out, but kind of a little bit. Yeah, you, you have to get get out somewhere. And I find that playing sports really helped me just kind of get that release and kind of get away from everyone else and just focus on playing sport. And did you did you struggle to cope, or, or did you did you? you know how we had just such a natural resilience that you were able to cope i think just because like her fight was going on for so long that i kind of that was my normal um so it's not i don't want to say it was a shock that she passed away but you kind of grow to understand that this might not go away there could be something else that'll happen so it's like that growing Mm. up like that was my normal to Mm. get Mm. myself through everything and then so obviously whenever mum did pass obviously it was very very upsetting at that age but you just kind of learned to fight through and it made me stronger as a person for sure especially nowadays yeah well you seem to have coped extraordinarily well with something uh, such an awful tragedy in your life um was it was it in any way influential in what you did when you finished school because you 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 went you went to america you went on a hawker scholarship how what age what age did you know you wanted to do that and why did you pursue that um well initially I kind of started looking into it probably whenever I was 16 um because I was like I don't have much financial support behind me maybe if my hockey could get me somewhere that would be a great kind of burden off myself and kind of relieve a lot of people around me so then I was kind of looking into the idea of America because I've heard some of the girls went before they went there and fill scholarships and didn't really have to pay for anything um so yeah whenever I was 16 I kind of started looking into it went through a company in Scotland and then so they kind of promoted me to colleges out in America ah. um, so then initially that kind of happened and then I agreed to go to school and they kind of were like no we don't want you anymore really yeah so I had agreed to go to Michigan and then but this is the year I kind of got pulled into the national team right and I was like oh I might have to travel during the spring yes blah 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 so they wouldn't get the access to you they wanted yeah so that but yeah so they didn't un- quite understand it, I don't think and I don't think I truly did either as well so then they were yeah. like no we don't want you so I ended up taking a gap year and then Louisville got in contact with me but the assistant coach there used to work in coaching Ireland so he kind of heard of me coming through ah, and okay. then so we got in contact again and was just like we have a spot here if you if you want it and next thing I'm on a flight to America and off I go and you're not just on a flight to America Ayesha you're on a flight to Kentucky as they say to what is te- technically the deep south Culturally, first of all, um, how different is Louisville and that area of America to uh, to learn? Oh, here, so many people ask me this question. I always struggle to answer it. But so Louisville itself isn't that. I don't want to say it's not that much different, but it's quite a modern city for right. like the South. Right. Um, everything in America is just ten times bigger. Yeah. Even the roads, the cars, the food, the supermarkets, like, everything is just crazy. Um. So yeah, Louisville was. It's quite modern and probably like similar similar enough to like belfast and, yeah. and whatnot um but if you go anywhere outside that you're very country very hillbilly like pro-gun a crazy crazy lifestyle but you just really? kind of yeah you just very different for you yeah and how do you react to i'm, I'm, I'm presuming then you've got <laughs> teammates who's who who have guns or whose family have guns how do you how do you deal with that yeah so love this is kind of Louisville's kind of known for being like quite a bad area outside the university kind of land and and downtown um so i have heard a few gun shootings and whatnot have you yeah it's it's kind of wild like there's streets you kind of you don't go down because you know that things yeah. might get a little risky and 
Well, just that concept of yeah. people even owning guns, it's so it's so different from us, isn't it? Oh, yeah, very different. Because everyone always asks us, like, oh, can you not carry a gun at home? And I'm like, no, it's, like, extremely illegal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then I ended up going to the gun range one day. And honestly, I've never shit, been shaken so much in my life holding something. Really? It was, pe- like, I was petrified holding the gun. Like, But then, I, I don't know, it was weird. Like, everyone around you is just so normal. They just pick it up and fire it. And you're just like, why is this so normal to everyone? But yeah. that's their normal, I guess. That, that's their normal. You're right, yeah. I suppose. Exactly. Um, and tell us about the team that you joined then. Are you the only foreign player? Do they recruit from a lot from internationally? And what level do you play at in America? Um, so we currently play in Division One. Um, so that's the top top kind of level and we play in the Atlantic Coast Conference with ACC again it's the best conference for field hockey in the States it's the toughest one is it yeah oh yeah yeah so like there's seven teams in that conference that play field hockey and anyone could win in any given day so conferences are like their local state they're like the, they're like regions of competitions and that's the toughest one you're yeah. in yeah wow. for sure um, right. which is great I kind of didn't know anything about that heading over so no, I had no idea <laughs> um, so I kind of fell fell in quite lucky there getting that but uh, no the team had uh, we're, they're just crazy but they're a great bunch of gals and especially being in the ACC a lot of very high quality players kind of will want to play there so a lot end up playing at Louisville and then with that oh, like comes the recruitment of international players as well so it's pretty fortunate that this year we have there's six of us Six foreigners. Are you yeah. called foreigners? What do oh, they yeah. call you? Oh, yeah, no, we're the foreigners. The foreigners, you are the foreigners. Yeah. Six of you. Um, uh, Irish, English, where are you coming from? Or Europe, where are they coming All from? All over. So there's a girl from Australia, girl from New Zealand. Oh. Uh, I'm there, so obviously Irish. A Spanish girl um, and a girl from Argentina. And then in the past, we've had girls from Chile, Holland, Germany. All all hockey strongholds. Yeah, all over the world. Which, so. which which Ireland, after this World Cup, can now say it is as well. So they're they're cherry picking talent to come in. And um, how well have you done? Um, so in the past, this year we kind of had a rough year. We had a lot of turnover last year with starting players, but um, we finished in the top twelve in the country for the past four years, which is huge amazing kind of being yeah. that consistent and just have joined the ACC a couple of years ago so it's very like we're a very young program in that right. conference but still very strong to finish that high yeah um, and and uh, you didn't have a good season which is interesting after the high of the World Cup what happened yeah so naturally whenever you play at such a high like that's what you're training for all year round is to kind of get that peak especially going into the World Cup so then for me heading straight back to America and back into season and like just straight away trying to get get it going again it's difficult to maintain that I think physically and mentally mentally is even yeah yeah so I really kind of struggled I was just expecting it to happen kind of straight away and obviously that wasn't going to be the case so it was just kind of figuring out how to get back to that level and I just really I really struggled with that and it it was definitely a learning point for me that I can't just continue it right over over there so you had did you, you would have had what you called you didn't have a great season then when you went back up and your season is short isn't it it's relatively short yeah so the season runs from kind of end of August to start November depends on if you make the tournament or not so right. and normally you play two games a weekend so two a weekend yes yeah, so you normally well we normally play Friday Sunday so very very wow. condensed season and right. it's very intense so yeah. you just can't you have to hit the ground running and if you don't then things might go might not go as planned. Did you did you end up having to face any more penalty shootouts? Yeah, so oh gosh. So I had to face one against Duke. So they're in our conference, massive rival, another very good hockey school. Um and that 
unfortunately I lost that one in sudden death and I think yeah that was the first shoot I've lost since the Rio qualifiers really oh yeah. <laughs> lord Aisha you've had a tough time since the World Cup then so it hasn't all been plain sailing imagine yeah, yeah. but people say that often after Olympics or World Cups or World Championships that players who've had a real high they can suffer a slump a post, post-World Cup slump or post-Olympic slump so you feel you had a little bit of that yeah definitely especially with just heading off so quickly I didn't yeah. have time to kind of let it sink in and you're just kind of like I struggled with being away from the team and kind of seeing everyone doing everything back here and I was just like oh I want to be there but I also want to be here so it's kind of figuring out in my own mind like what do I actually want and if I wanted to like like I, I really wanted to give up my all in America but I would feel I feel I was very distracted with other areas so it just kind of yeah. it's like I didn't really know what to do with myself at the moment in time so yeah because you were you were in America I presume watching the late late on your computer or whatever and watching yeah. all of those lovely occasions that they had thankfully you're home for Christmas and you're able to enjoy some of them and you've been you were at the RTE Awards recently and you'll have a load more of them as well but yeah you missed that initially you lost it and I know some of the players said that to me as well that even when they did split up the week after they didn't what to be doing with themselves because they were you'd been together solidly for nearly a month yeah like you wake up in the morning whenever you're together you go you have your mobility you have breakfast together you lie and chill together sort of like wake up home alone in your own bed and or wherever you are and you're just like I don't know what to do with myself like where's my roommate who can I talk with yeah yeah. um so that was definitely weird not having that because you're just kind of like like we've been together so long and you're just kind of like I need them I need to be back with them again. So it's kind of funny seeing that. It is. It's a weird thing, but you'll do it. You're doing it now at Christmas and into the new year, which is great. Um, You did have one night. um, You went to, I believe, a certain Dublin nightclub after the homecoming. Uh, Can you tell me what happened to your medal uh, in the in in that nightclub, which uh, you can name? Um, Yeah. So typical hockey players, you have to, or whoever, you have to celebrate what you do. You gotta let loose. We are we are Irish. We do like to stay hydrated, as you say. <laughs> um, so yeah, we were in coppers. Obviously, we've had a few few beverages at this point, and uh, we're dancing away. And next thing, my medal splits at the back and just goes flying across the room. And I'm like, like whenever you're dancing, you just feel it in the dark in copper face <laughs> yeah. jacks. How on earth are you going to even find it? Oh no, I'm like on the floor with my my torch phone, like on my hands and knees, crawling about trying to find it. And I'm like, has anyone saw my medal? And then, so hoping it hit someone and then eventually just find it on the floor and picked it up, tied it around my neck and off it went again. And listeners, <laughs> yes, she, the medal didn't split, but the ribbon that the medal was yeah. split on. So she, you've mended it, have you, at this stage? Yeah, yeah. a few stitches in it and it's holding together for now. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very important. Um, you, So your hockey season has actually finished uh, in, in America. You're, you're actually fine. And I should tell listeners, while you've been in America, you have made the All-American a women's top team in other words like their all-stars hockey team every year and even though your college had a bad year this year and you didn't make it to the playoffs you still made the team were you surprised very um like I think it just kind of goes to show that the confidence that coaches around the country kind of have in me and kind of respect me as a player and I respect their like votes and opinions to kind of say that I'm obviously at that top level but there's so many good goalkeepers in America who all have had great seasons and to kind of Pip them. I was very surprised because, as I say, like I feel I didn't personally have the best season. And did did I mean we're we're still excited about the World Cup and the European, you know, was in Europe and everybody here was very. But did did it permeate to America and did you meet people in America who knew how well we had done and how well you had done over the summer? Yeah, it was definitely my team 
to start with like as soon as I got back to them they were kind of very excited about it all and kind of I came in my locker was decorated which is really nice it was blew, it yeah with the balloons and everything and they had candy and all they, they know I have a sweet tooth so they had a wee bag for me and then <laughs> so that was kind of weird and then there was like news outlets and stuff in Louisville who were like coming to do interviews with me and I'm like you have no idea who I am but like <laughs> apparently they did um so yeah that was kind of weird and it was funny that so our football team's like quite big and so they do this thing where you ring the bell to start a game and then they asked me if I would cut co- and like famous people come and ring these bells like the president of our university like NFL like ex-NFL football players and they're like oh will you come and ring the bell and I'm like what's and then so like they had me come down in front of the whole stadium national television ring the bell to start the game oh and my like God. there's been Olympians and everything who've done it and I'm like why am I doing this <laughs> so you rang the bell and, and, and you should tell the listeners how big the stadium is for the, your college uh, your university what the Louisville Cardinals are they? yeah. their American football team how big is that stadium um, yeah so we just expanded the stadium this year and I think it's something about 80,000 um, so yeah it's- size of Crow Park basically Ah, yeah, like it's big enough. So, and especially because in Kentucky, there's no professional football teams or sports teams at all. At all. Yeah. So, like our college um, and the University of Kentucky, like we are the professional teams. I'd like to say, obviously, Louisville more, but yeah. So people really would follow the franchises, the college franchises, usually. Yeah. So just just the small eighty thousand you had to go down and ring the bell. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty unique. And also, um, I know in America they often do that, where when you win things, they put up a, a banner or a uh, you know, a kind of a pennant. You know, with football, with, with basketball, do they do that? And what is there a pennant there for your for your all American victories? Yeah, so they normally do it at the side of our field. Um, there's like a big building, and then they put like it's a very big. I must say, bigger than twelve foot like poster of just you up there and the date that you kind of all American. So. It's kind of weird that my face is stuck there forever now. So that's going to stay there forever, yeah. Isha McFerrin. Even though you'll move on, yeah. it will stay. Um, and what are you studying? Um, so I'm currently studying exercise science and then minoring in sports administration and business. And that will take you 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 that will take you right up to exams when your final exams are uh, finish up. Yeah. So next or May's my graduation. Gra- graduation. So this is my last semester, and then heading off into the wide world. And and the wild world will it be will it be a hockey career initially or will you will you like to do something else first? What do you think? Uh, I'll probably stick with hockey for now. I think my body's only so young and it, I don't think it's going to hold together too much longer. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a full full go at playing the hockey as much as possible, and then we'll consider and, career at some point. And how how because we've seen uh, some of the Irish players play in Europe, and some more have gone to Europe. How do you get a job, a club job in Europe? Do you have to get an agent, or how does that come about? Um, honestly, at the minute, I'm not too sure. Just because, like, I I haven't really contacted too many clubs just because I've wanted to enjoy my last season in America. Yeah. But now, um, hopefully, I'll maybe a few will get in contact with me. I don't know, but uh, I've got a few connections here and there who kind of know people abroad. Your college coaches know somebody quite. Yes, yeah, so my college coach played for Australia, and the Dutch national team coach she played for Australia too. So it's. Um, and now she's the head coach in Holland, so she kind of yeah. knows everything that there. So, so they know people exactly. Yeah, so I'm gonna kind of maybe latch onto that connection. Absolutely, a bit. use everything you can, Aisha. <laughs> yeah. They've got a World Cup silver medalist in their for their college. You need to use all of your access now. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, absolutely, that's crucial. So it's study, study, study. But mm-hmm. uh, the Irish team also um, has stuff coming up in the next few months. So tell us, where do you go immediately in, in, now in the new year? Um, so we're actually heading off to Chile. Um, so we're going to be down there for, I think, about two and a half weeks. So that'll be a great training block. That's going to be with the extended squad. 
and um, we'll go down there get a bit of sun a bit of training and then we'll play four games at the end of it um, and then we normally have a series or two in, in March but that's yet to be confirmed and then uh, we're pretty fortunate that we're going to host the Olympic qualifier so that's in June and um, it's going to be somewhere in Ireland so it's going to be very exciting um, and then it's going to be an opportunity for the whole island to kind of get behind us again and see us play in person for those that weren't able to travel over to London. What do you need to do? That's the f- It's the first stage of Olympic mm-hmm. qualifying. What do you need to do? Do you have to make first two or win it? Yeah, so we, a top two qualify out of that. Um, and then from there, so there's going to be three of those around the world. And then from there you go on and you play, you get ranked or something and you yeah. play a one-off game um, with one other nation. So it'll be one at home in Ireland and then one away to them. So Brilliant. it's pretty cutthroat come the end. It is, you yeah. Have, you have to perform straight away. Right. So so 2019 into into literally 2020 is going to be so important for you because this is, this is the thing to qualify. You hadn't qualified for World Cup for 16 years. Yeah. So this is another huge leap for you. Um, did, did, uh, and, and winning, uh, getting to the final also affected your seeding. So that means you have home advantage now. So that's a huge thing for you, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like we saw how much support we had even across the road in London. Um, where so many Irish kind of jumped on board and came over any way possible. Like yeah. you hear stories of people getting up at two in the morning to go and get the boat, which is unbelievable to hear that. Um, so like the fact that they were able to do that and come to London and support us and you saw how much the support kind of affected us over there and really got us going. But to have that here in Ireland where hopefully more can get involved, yeah. it's going to be huge. Yeah, it's a huge advantage. It would be a great help to you, I oh, think. Yeah. Um, tell me about penalties uh, before we finish up because um, I interviewed you before the World Cup and you actually said to me, I love shootouts. I love them. This is what I live for. And um, as as viewers looking on, we're absolutely terrified. It's such, it's a one-on-one. It's, 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 it's just, you know, it's a fight to the death. Why do you love shootouts and how do you learn to become good at them I think like I feel I do quite well under pressure um and I love just the intensity of it so you're kind of it's one-on-one battle and I get to kind of show what I've been training for and what I what I'm kind of good at um and it definitely kind of doing a lot of training behind the scenes with Nage and you're just kind of looking to improve those little like can you get down to the ground quicker? You, you get- on the ground a lot. If you look at her, if you look at your shootouts, you get down to the ground, but you get back up. Yeah. And you, you're five foot six, which isn't a lot of goalkeepers are tall. But mm-hmm. does that help you in some ways with that with that agility that you have on the ground? Yeah, I definitely think it does. Like I've, I feel I've done a lot of groundwork to kind of help improve that. It's definitely a part of my game where I de- like I can get down to the ground quick, but. I can get down and lay there pretty good but it was about learning to kind of move while I'm down there yeah. um, and figuring that out and I definitely feel that that it does I would say it helps me being a little bit smaller because you know the taller you are the harder you fall yeah. um, so I definitely feel like being that little bit smaller I'm able to kind of get down and get back up a lot quicker than what some other goalies might be able to and hockey uh, shootouts are so unique uh, somebody has gets the ball at the 25 metres line has 8 seconds to beat you so it's not like a straight penalty where you stand and they shoot at you so do you do an awful lot of homework on your opponents and I was really curious um, it took a phenomenal uh, goal to beat you uh, in Spain the f- one that one that levelled it up mm. and put it into so how much homework had you done on those Spanish players and did you know did you have some idea what they were going to do yeah, so I was pretty fortunate that because we've played Spain so many times, we've practiced different shootouts, and then they went to shootout earlier on. Yeah, so, they had one against Belgium. Yeah, were you? Did you watch that or see it? Not, not at the moment in time. But our video analyst Mark, he was able to um, get Clip me videos of those, so I was actually able to like slow it down and watch specifically what they do because in those, it's a high pressure situation, so you're going to go back to what what's natural to you, whether it's you're quick, you're skillful. 
or whatnot. Um, so I was able to kind of watch those and kind of try and dictate what the player may or may not be able to do based on kind of the knowledge that I kind of have and saw of them. Yeah, and the was it? Who was the girl who put the one the, uh, the aerial the love? That was a phenomenal. I mean, that goal. Yeah. I don't know how anybody. I, I asked Graham Shaw about it, and he says he's seen that move. The Irish coach that he's seen that move four times, and he's in in, in his career, mm. and he's never seen anybody score one. Yeah. So she managed with an incredible deft touch to to lob you over your head, um, and uh, to level it up, and then you go into sudden death. And then they get the first one. Mm-hmm. And what are you thinking in your head? And who who were you facing? And did you know much about her? Um. So yeah, Lola's one. I just had to stand up and clap. Like yeah. I think you know what? Like <laughs> it was phenomenal. Play, you give it a good go. But I think she kind of knew she she wasn't. She's not, she's a defender, so naturally she's not that quick. And I don't feel she was skillful enough to beat me. So she had to do something different, and she wow. did. So fair play to her. Like yeah, she pulled it, it out. Unbelievable! Of the bag. It was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, the girl Gigi in sudden death very talented player I've kind of watched her a lot I think she, I think she's one of the best players in the world and um, with how she plays so she scored her first one against me so she kept it very simple came in just swept the bottom corner and it, so I I didn't I kind of had it in my head that she wasn't going to do it again because like if she does it twice in a row and I save it then she yeah. kind of looks not a bit like an idiot but like a little yeah. bit like an idiot <laughs> but um so you you knew she wasn't going to do the same thing again you calculated that yeah so i had yeah i had a very good idea that she wasn't going to do it again and i knew she was a very from watching her play you kind of pick up different cues on players and she's very and like a very explosive player so she might come at you quite slow which is what she did and then she'll make you change direction um and so luckily she kind of went to my stick side which was very stupid uh so she tried to pick it up like flick it over my stick and i just kind of but you saved Stuck, it. Yeah. You saved it with, with the part of your body that's probably the, the part of your equipment that's the most difficult to yeah. save it with, with your stick. Yeah, it's because it's so thin. So it I, was I phenomenal. Even, yeah, I just kind of flung the stick up and somehow it hit it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Don't be saying it was an accident, Alicia. It was deliberate. Clearly, it was. It was an amazing piece of skill. Yeah. And is it true that you've uh, that you've got a stick sponsor since then? Yeah. So I actually picked up Ritual. Um, their stick sponsor. Uh, worked out well because the guy who distributes wow I'm really struggling to speak here (laughs) and distributes uh, Ritual also does my oboe gear so it worked out quite well that I can kind of just go to him and get whatever I need well he must have been inspired by that stick safe because it is sensational and and people should go back in and have a look at it again and just see how amazing it was Uh, as I said it took a brilliant penalty a lob over your head to beat you in the previous one and then you saved it and then we still had to score one yeah and what's it like watching uh, who took it was it um, it was um, Gillian Pinder was it Gillian Pinder what's it like as a goalkeeper watching that last one oh I couldn't watch Really, you no, didn't watch. I, there, I had the crowd behind me who were. I, you can tell straight away by the reaction. I was just staring at the ground, hoping for the best, waiting for some sort of reaction to tell me what happened. And then I look up and see her running. I'm like, I was just in shock. I was like, did she just score that? And, and then, obviously, everything's gone wild. So it's like um, she must have scored. We're in the World Cup <laughs> final. Yeah, who would have thought? Do you have finally? <laughs> is there is there a single memory that you have that you will like took away in your heart forever? Um, that's it's hard to narrow down, but definitely just I feel that atmosphere that was created by all the supporters and fans coming over. They just made it an absolute buzz. Like whenever you're on the field, like most of the time, I'm pretty good at kind of blocking out what's going on. But then you hear the MC is like, "Oh, who who here is for India?" And then you have about ten people here, like, "Yay!" 
and then you hear he's like he asks who's here for Ireland and the whole stadium like I have goosebumps now even thinking about it really yeah because it just the whole stadium just erupted and it was just ferocious and like that lifted us every time in our performance and it was just amazing where like I could just stand take a look and just see the whole crowd going wild it was oh it was your 12th player it was your 12th player 100% 100% and finally um you not only helped Ireland to get to the World Cup final and make history, you also uh, were standing at the end of that and you hear your name called out as goalkeeper of the tournament. What Bring me back to that. What did that feel like and what were your emotions then? Um, yeah, so, that Arlene, so initially Arlene came up to me and was like, right, you have to stand at the front of the tunnel, don't go back with the team. And I'm like, no, like the girls are back there and going back and she was like no like you want goalkeeper to turn and I just started crying really I was like you're joking me and she's like no like I'm dead serious so me and her were just like standing there hugging each other like both crying like what is happening um, but yeah like to hear it it's a, it's just a testament to the work that me, Grace and Nidge have put in together and like, Nidge for listeners is he, so Nidge is our goalkeeping coach so Nigel Henderson but us he's nidge he yeah. the three of us like i've always said we're a team within a team and i would i would not be here without the two of them um like me and grace are so competitive in training that i think both of them just lift me to kind of be better each day and it's definitely for the three of us it's not just an individual individual award for sure yeah and in the final um which he lost and people said oh why are we all getting so excited they lost the final day and there was a lot of goals put past you but at that stage um grace also got to come on and play didn't you yeah i like i've never been so thrilled to see a player take a pitch um she deserves every credit that's given to her like that girl is an absolute trooper um, she's such a team player and you don't see that especially from a second goalkeeper it's a very tough position like I don't no one really understands it until you until you've been there and Grace has just supported me and the rest of the girls the whole way to see her step on and she played class like hands down to the girls she played phenomenal um, against a rampant Dutch team who like she, they're miles ahead of everyone and mm. she kind of stepped out and just showed how good she is as well like she's she's not a backup goalkeeper like she is a phenomenal goalkeeper for yeah. sure and it's a tough position because sometimes yeah. you have to sit and wait and wait and wait and you might not get a chance yeah. uh, Aisha McFern you just uh, and the Irish hockey team gave us so much pleasure this summer I can't tell you um, so thank you for all the memories you gave us in 2018 and best of luck for 2019 and we can't wait to see what you do next thanks so much for having me and hopefully we'll create a few more for you I think you will <laughs> Off the ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.